0: And welcome to episode 57 of the Inside Ellen Road podcast. I'm back after a two-week break. Apologies for our absence. Um, I was on holiday for part of it. Um, A lot of games in the the previous week before that, um, and a lot of dragging our heels as well, it has to be said. Um, I'm Phil Hay, the YP's Chief Football Writer. Uh, With me, as ever, is Joe Urquhart, the YP's Leeds United digital journalist. Um, At the end of a pretty sobering weekend, all in all... um, And if I told you, Joe, that we hit a badger on the way home from Brentford, would that pretty much sum up the way it went from Friday to Monday? Yeah, absolutely. And the fact
1: that a pheasant flew into the stand at Geisley last night probably joins that badger, unfortunately. Yeah. (laughs) Just... Met- and, 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 and
0: yeah, sorry to say that both probably have more chance of automatic promotion <sighs> at the moment than than Bales' players. We're, we're going to call this episode the playoffs, but I don't think we're quite there yet. And there is still mathematical permutations and possibilities that could open this up again over the weekend. But the reality is, with two games to go, three points behind Sheffield United, uh, who play Ipswich at home on Saturday. Six points behind Norwich, who have a superior goal difference anyway and, and literally need a point from from two games to, to be certain of going up. It is feeling like the playoffs now, isn't it? And you saw that a little bit, I thought, in the body language on Friday uh, after the Wigan game. I thought you saw it entirely in not only the body language, but also in Bielsa's comments after the game at Brentford on Monday. Um, do you, do you sense any hope amongst them? Do you feel any hope yourself? Do you think this has got a final twist in it, given that there have been plenty in the last two months? Or, or do you think realistically that, that it's too much of a blow? I think I think, I mean never say never. But
1: I think yeah, I think it's it's gonna be playoffs, isn't it? Unless I mean you're asking, what Ipswich Town to go to Bramall Lane, sold out Bramall Lane when they're gonna be completely fired up and they're essentially gonna win like three points away from securing their Premier League status. So, yeah, I think for me playoffs, Leeds are gonna to have to sort of take stock a little bit after this this horrible weekend that anyone sort of associated to the football clubs had, and just try and get themselves up. Now they've got two games, I think in my head, I think they've got two games to sort of find a bit of mojo, find a bit of form back and try and go into the, the playoffs with some positivity. It's easy to forget, but they are a great football team on their day and they're one of the best, I believe, in my opinion, in the Championship on their day. So there's no reason or... F- there is reason to fear the playoffs because it's a complete lottery, but the teams you're going up
0: against, Leeds have beaten this season, so... I- I agree with you, they, they have definitely hit a wall though in the last two Absolutely, games, yeah. they, they've hit a wall in terms of their attacking and, and approach play um, to the point where the, the assurance seems to have gone, you could almost feel the confidence, you could see the confidence draining from the players in the second half against against Wigan and, and it has become laboured and predictable up front, there they, have been issues all season with the, the number of chances they've been converting, with the number of goals they've been scoring in comparison to uh, the, the possession they've had, although clubs these days tend to go quite big on the expected goals formula, the ratio which tells you whether you're scoring as many goals as you should and and as it happens Leeds are a bang on 1.6 per game which is what they, according to the statistics they should be producing but when you see the dominance and you, and, and you see how much they control games as they did against Wigan in particular you, you expect more and, and you expect them to score more often and defensively they've gone to pieces as well, um, very brittle against Wigan and, and very nervous against the pace particularly of, of Gavin Massey not great against the, the physical power of, of Leon Clark. and a similar story at Brentford so little of the ball Brentford had particularly to start of the second half but their second goal was surgical straight through the middle great little interplay p- bit into play between Watkins Moppe and, and Canos and Canos finishing off with a, a lovely chip and I couldn't help feeling that on the day and, and over the Easter weekend that was the difference really. That was what that was what other clubs were doing to Leeds and that was what Leeds were incapable of, of doing to them for all that they had the ball and, and, and for all that, that they were dominant in large periods. And over the course of the season, hugely impressed with the what BLS has done, hugely impressed with the, the way they play. But I think we'd be blinding ourselves or, or ignoring the reality really, wouldn't we, if we didn't say that they they have had a, a very, very serious wobble over Easter and it's gonna be a big challenge to write this. Yeah, absolutely, it's gonna the not just the
1: mental aspect of it, it's the gonna be the biggest problem. Obviously, people have started throwing the the whole Bielsa burnout thought process at it and I think we both know that it's probably not quite the case, but I think the mental aspect's gonna be the biggest problem, isn't it? The fact that maybe they've blocked out the playoffs from their mind. But the beauty of this division is that that is the fallback. They've got a second bite at the cherry and that's mm-hmm. gotta be the way that the attitude goes through the squad. Whether Bielsa can get them up, I think the one positive that maybe about the wobble coming now. I mean, <laughs> very loose positive, but you've got two games before the playoffs. This hasn't happened on the last thirty season. If this had happened at Ipswich, you'd be seriously worried about going to a first leg, wouldn't you? But they've got two games to try and get some mojo back, try and get that form. Maybe Bielsa can have a bit of a switch around with some players, some personnel, and and see what he can get out of them in the next two games obviously a,
0: a big test it's not his filler. way though is it no, absolutely it's not his way not, but it, was, it was it was quite strange to see Calvin Phillips dropped at Brentford and Adam Forshall brought into the midfield because Bielsa tweaks his tactics in terms of the, the sort of regular or, or, or I guess a bit more occasional but the switch from four one four one 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 to the three three one three that that he likes to play but usually with the same players and very rarely with, with changes in personnel that this season really he. he he took Saez out of the team. He wanted to take Peacock Farrell out of the team earlier and, and then did when Kiko Casilla came in from Real Madrid. And Adam Forsher in for Phillips on on Easter Monday was a, a really rare example of a time when Bielsa has, has looked to different players as opposed to tactical changes um, or, or changes of system um, to to switch things around and, and to negate the, the opposition. It, it is all about the tactics for him, isn't it? I was thinking about this earlier in the week. He, individual players don't seem to matter to him too much I, th- I think it's valuable to him obviously if he has somebody like Pablo Hernandez in the squad because Hernandez comes up with goals and assists and is constantly good but I think in biel's head and the reason he blames himself so much for poor results even when you think that, that really the, the blame should lie with the players is because he thinks that his tactics should be clever enough and good enough to work regardless. If he's got players in his squad that he believes in, regardless of who they are and regardless of their names and whether they're superstars or not, if he thinks that they're skilled enough and trained enough to play in the positions, he's happy and content. And it, 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 he pretty much puts everything on him. He puts everything in on his tactics. And it, it was strange because against Wigan and, and against Brentford, they were games where the process just didn't work for him, and they were games where actually you really did need one player to come up with something very, very special at key moments when when Leeds were desperate for something, and and it hasn't happened, and it does leave them backed into a corner now, and and really unless something spectacular goes on this weekend, two weeks to clear their heads before it it gets serious again. Yeah, well, I think we all know, are not they?
1: They're cogs in the machine, aren't they? That, that's. That's how Bielsa views them. It doesn't matter what your your st- standing is in the squad, as we saw last night. Obviously, Calvin Phillips going from Brentford straight into the under twenty threes, which was, I don't, I don't know if it was surprising because we've seen be to do this all season, but maybe the timing of, because obviously there's a big game coming up at the weekend. We're not sure whether we'll go for, for sure or Phillips again. Kind of leans towards going for Shore again, doesn't it, against Villa? So, another strange move, I guess you'd maybe say because. It's also a bit unfair on the lads that have got the under-23s to the Premier League
0: Cup semi-final in my eyes, but yeah. hey-ho, I that think, is, no, it I think, is what it is. I think that's a, a fair point. Um, it would be interesting with Phillips against Villa because the explanation for leaving him out against Brentford, and, and I thought it was a big call and a strange call, mm. was that Brentford play with a, a front a front three of Canos and Watkins out wide and Maupay, who who really was excellent on Monday, and I thought a total contrast to the way Patrick Bamford played. Um, more pay on his own up front, and and they don't really have a, a number ten as such. They don't really have too much in the way of central attacking midfielders who who cause damage in that area. And he felt that Forshaw sure a bit more mobile, more dynamic was the word he used. Um, although I'm, I'm not sure I I totally agree with that. But we'd be better at covering um the covering out wide. We'd be better at getting across the pitch to make sure that Brentford didn't attack where where they were strong be totally different against Philip because you've got they play with one up front but you've got Grealish in the centre you've got John McGinn in the centre both of them very mobile very rangy and and are going to cause problems so you would think that Phillips would would come back into the team um it, it clearly didn't work particularly well at Brentford on that basis alone there's a there's an argument for it and I don't know you you, Bielsa just goes with with his way of thinking and we we said right from the start that there was never any point in arguing with or telling him he was wrong or arguing with what he was doing because he sticks to the programme and, and, and he goes with it. And But it does seem strange that in literally the last fortnight of the season you've got somebody like Phillips getting 45 minutes with the 23s. It's, it's how Bielsa likes to keep them keep them sharp, keep them fresh. But there are so few games to go that you would have thought it would have been a case of batting down the hatches, keep everybody together. Um, and... And let it roll. Um, and instead, you had Brady involved. You had others involved. You had Izzy Brown, who I'm convinced now is, is not going to play again. There just seems to be no, no sign of of him coming back in. And I mean, somebody was telling me that they they were hammered in training before the Sheffield Wednesday game, which actually was one of the best performances. You know, really, really worked hard in the build up to that. And. No sign of any let off. No thought that it's been a long season and you maybe just need to sort of soften things a bit. Maybe just take it, take it a little bit easy on the players. He's he's going with his way. Um, I respect him a lot for that, and I think there's something to be said for committing to what you think is is the right plan. But I think the big challenge for him now, having proven that he is clearly an excellent coach, exceptional coach, he's clearly tactically very clever, and very astute, is how much of a motivator he is. At, at a time when things suddenly feel a little desperate and at a time when you have not much in the way of days or weeks to right the ship again and, and get everybody together.
1: Yeah, well, I think that's going to be the, the difficult thing, isn't it? I think we've seen, I mean we saw him on the pitch after Brentford, didn't we, shaking all the players hands, obviously Pablo was in tears, bless him, as I'm sure some
0: some fans were elsewhere. But Which tells you that the players in Bielsa think it's gone, don't they? They, they, they evidently know enough football to think that second place is not happening. Yeah, but you just
1: worry about the mental impact of that, don't you going
0: into what the playoffs with which
1: if, if you're lucky enough to get to the final is three huge games. And but that's what I'm saying about the two game aspect of the having that two games buffer, sort of even two weeks in, in sort of that mental aspect of getting over that and getting yourself back up for those three potential three games. I think it's going to have to come from within, looking at the squad. I think someone, maybe Cooper, because he's a captain, we've seen him show it. Obviously, Bels has lauded his, his captain skills. I think it, someone's going to have to get them all together and just try and rally the troops almost again. I think if you get someone like Darby in the playoffs, maybe that'll get a bit of a siege mentality again after the whole Spygate saga. But something's going to have to spark the fire, isn't it, again? And whether Bels is that man, who knows, Hope. Hopefully, he is but looking at it from the
0: outside, looking in, like you say, it doesn't look like maybe he's that kind of coach. It's possibly the one area where Sheffield United have the advantage with with Chris Wilder. He is a, a kind of natural motivator. He's also been with this squad when they've done it before, albeit in a lower division. But you would think that at the very least they would they would feel confident of finishing off finishing it off this season on the basis that they have already in a you know in a previous division and previous season, but with the same manager and with with a lot of the same players. I'm sure also a lot of people will be saying, well,
1: they're playing for Leeds United, you've got a chance to get to the Premier League, why should you need motivation? That That's all the motivation you need, but it's just having the mental impact of having this goal in your head and all season thinking, we're going to achieve it, we're going to achieve it, we're going to achieve it, and then at the last second, faltering is the the big pr- isn't it? That's, that's it, the issue. Th-
0: there's a difference though, isn't there, between motivation and psychological mm, pressure yeah, and yeah, I yeah. asked Bielsa after the Wigan game how are you going to lift these players quickly for Monday given that they did all look pretty devastated on the pitch so than they did after the Brentford defeat but you could see in the body language that 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 hit really hard and we'll we'll have a good chat about that game shortly but the circumstances I think were, were very you know were, were very hard to take it at the end of the game and and he answered that by saying we don't lack motivation this team doesn't doesn't lack motivation and and at no stage would I ever have questioned the motivation of the players but I would certainly question what's going on in their heads at the moment and he said he didn't think they'd been affected by pressure uh, particularly in either game or or at any stage of the season I honestly felt against Wigan that you could see it getting to them, I did and and then again at Brentford in the second half there wasn't the same clarity of thought, there wasn't the same assurance on the ball, passes going astray, simple passes going astray I, I guess just not not the same conviction in the football that you saw in Brentford's second goal which was when they got the ball and they had space to attack they did and and it was it was it was like a knife through butter um but at Leeds there just seemed to be that growing doubt that it wasn't happening it didn't look likely to happen and that it was going to cost them dearly because they'll have known at Brentford that that Sheffield United had already trounced Hull early in the day
1: yeah it's the first time we've really seen them freeze though this mm-hmm. season isn't it and it's just the the most important stage of the campaign and I'm probably like you I think we were talking a bit before but we felt that Friday was actually the pivotal game it wasn't Monday I think I think a lot of people will have felt worse after Friday than they would have Monday night I think Monday was just confirmation of what we sort of expect was coming I mean we talked about it a bit before but it, it reminded me of the England v Iceland game took an early lead and then just completely frozen against a team that they really should have on, on paper you just you think right I mean even Paul Cook said afterwards didn't he once the the sending off comes in the in the goal they're thinking we need to keep this down now because mm-hmm. obviously the goal difference might be a problem in in the relegation battle as it turns out an hour later he's celebrating a win so it's quite remarkable just the the hallmarks of that England game sort of came came out in that Leeds game I felt just the freezing of pressure in in that in that situation just almost forgetting how to play football Hernandez yeah. Has been has carried this team at times this season completely frozen. If you don't have him, someone else needs to step up. But there's just so many off days and so many, so many that didn't want to want to take responsibility of just having a shot at the end and just a lot of breakdown in communication and Alyoski passed the ball what three four times out of play towards the end
0: well I think that last he one in injury time that pass towards Harrison which went straight out over the goal line. it got to the point where it felt as if Alyoski didn't want to shoot because the crowd mm-hmm. were, were sick of seeing the ball going into the south stand didn't particularly want to cross because nobody was hitting hitting a Leeds player and then by the end was struggling to, to pass the ball confidently as well um a good comparison with the England game. It was very much like that and very much a, a game where you're thinking somebody needs to do something here, otherwise this just isn't going to happen. And I think the one it made me, the game made me think of was Wolves at home in, in the Gary Monk season, Easter Monday. And it has to be said that Easter is generally speaking not a great time for Leeds. I've seen an awful lot of seasons. Simon Grayson's year in the Championship, um, Gary Monks as well, go go sour and go south over Easter. The, the one... The, the sort of different case being the season when Leeds went up from League One where they won away um, at Yeovil on Easter Monday in, in a game that they desperately needed to win after I think it was four straight defeats it was it really was coming apart of the seams at that point and, and Richard Naylor scored twice down there but Easter's not generally been a good time for them and, and Wolves at home when Munt was manager that was another day where everybody seemed to freeze everybody seemed to struggle to do the basics because it it felt as if it was getting into their heads that they were that close that they that they had a chance um, a real chance then to to get into the playoffs and suddenly it it all went you know all fell apart I mean the, it's hard to hard to, to sort of remember this now but Wigan obviously lost keeper to a red card yeah. after forty minutes and Hernandez missed the penalty um, and there's a definite issue I think with who is taking penalties when Kamal Roof is not on the pitch because nobody seems to have an, an awful lot of confidence about about sticking them away and it does seem to be decided by a committee under a head coach who who has virtually everything else you know down to t nailed down about what's going to happen how it's going to happen when it's going to happen with penalties it's a it's a bit more of a free for all but Patrick Bamford scores after seventeen minutes and we were like Paul Cook really. You you thought, Well actually, this could, this is a really good opportunity to claw back a bit of goal difference on Sheffield United. And what happened? Yeah, well what happened. What, what did was, happen? Do you think the key do you think the key issue in that game was that the players were too casual in the first half at one 0 up? Were the players too casual and not decisive enough at a stage where they could really have got at Wigan and killed them? The off? only
1: time they could have added to the lead I thought was that Roberts volley that was headed away off the line, was it Gal yeah. Naismith, I think, headed away. That was the only thing I can think of where you thought that if that goes in, maybe that completely kills the game. And to be honest, at one nil it should have, the game should have been killed anyway. But they were very sort of I don't know what the word is, but just passive maybe in you know like usually you're thinking Bielsa team in the final third, clinical sort of precision passing but they're just so passive and it was almost like they thought it doesn't really matter if we get a second because we've won this game
0: or it doesn't really matter if we get one quickly because it'll come eventually
1: and just that attitude and obviously the timing of of the goal just before half time for Wigan was perfect for them wasn't it because they could get in and then sort out what they were going to do defensively for 10 and I don't even know what happened for the goal Malioski was just on his arse and then Massey nobody just ran through and nobody, nobody watching like, the passes through the middle and like, all, all of, of a sudden, sudden it was just like what it's one all and I think even the Wigan fans were just like how oh, the heck have we scored and that's how it That's how it felt and then after that it's, yeah, I don't, sometimes it, it's hard to put into words isn't it it was just
0: it, yeah uh, I I said to you about and I don't often get much right oh god this is awful I shouldn't sure admit it. to this but I said to you about two minutes before Massey scored Wigan second I can honestly see them winning this because they look dangerous when they go forward. Leeds, every time they go forward, seem to be exchanging a, a multitude of passes back and forward around the box without looking like they're going to score at all. And, and Massey's, go- Massey's second goal was every bit as simple as the first. I mean, his his pace was a nightmare for the defence. Janssen and Berardi really struggled against that. And that is the one thing that always causes this Leeds team problems. And that was why I was worried about... I I, I thought they'd win against Wigan. I didn't think that would be an issue. But that was why I was worried about Brentford away, was because never had a good record there, never played particularly well there. And i have always suffered against Brentford teams who have pace and and purpose, which Brentford teams generally tend to do, particularly at at Griffin Park. They play with pace, they play with the ball on the ground. and, And I thought that would be a problem. But the pace of Massey was... Was a real nightmare and also the physicality of Leon Clark, who did his old club Sheffield United a great turn um against um against Jansen and Brady was was an issue and, and did unsettle the defence. And as I say, you, you could feel it slipping away really couldn't you and and you could feel the players sensing that that it was going to slip away, massive result for Wigan, and they did need that because they they were in trouble, but they'd had one win away from home since august they'd lost to sixteen teams away from home, seven points before coming to, to Ellen Road. somebody said to me on the way out that 's just that is that is the definition of the most leads thing ever really to to lose to a side like that,
1: yeah, I mean. <laughs> it's so hard to even start to understand because everything that you do before points towards a Leeds victory and then you get a sending off that probably wasn't a sending off, it hit his midriff and then you miss a penalty but you get a goal two minutes later and you think right like you said there let's add to the goal difference, let's try and claw some goal difference back and almost that attitude was almost complacent wasn't it and that sort of deflected onto players and just as soon as they scored the second you just knew that Leeds weren't going to going to get back into it because of the way the afternoon had gone and mentally they looked shot and obviously just transferred into into the room for game and I'm almost lost for words but it was it's just that that
0: defeat hurt I think a lot more on Friday for this squad than the Mondays did if we go back to the early part of the season real real start of the season when we were talking to Bielsa about the size of his squad and um. I I asked him at one point whether he he had enough players given that most managers in the championship prefer to to go with a, a much bigger pool because of the number of games because of how tightly packed the games can be you know two over Easter two over Christmas very little in in the way of breathing space and and he said no I'll I'll go with essentially eighteen core first team players and then top it up with them. Um, with under 23s and he said at the time he said it might be that I'm wrong and, and you know we'll we'll find out in time but that's my idea that's my plan and, and that's what, what I'm going to do do you think that and the recruitment is starting to catch up with them now in the sense that as much as I said earlier that Bielsa doesn't tend to focus on individual players and he doesn't tend to think that if I take one player out of the team and stick somebody else in that will cure hundred L's. He he tends to see it as one big tactical plan that, that should work regardless of who the eleven are, provided that he likes all eleven players. Is he suffering on the basis that Mateus Click has not had a great second half of the season, I don't think. Hasn't really shone it's been has been good, has been fine. It has been okay in the centre of midfield. But I think since size has gone and since the midfield has become a little bit more congested and he's probably had a bit more attention on him, hasn't really shone in a game with the exception of Rotherham for, for a long, long time. Jack Harrison not just not doing enough consistently for for me on on the left hand side does he have the players who he can who he could use to resolve those areas the proven players players who he knows he can trust and who will will definitely do it at, at this level because I don't kind of feel that that he does and, and the squad are on eighty two points, so let's not pretend that they've not been terrific. I mean it's been it has been a fantastic season to date and the the twenty twenty two points better off already than they were in the championship last season, which says it all, and I think that's a massive feather in, in Bielsa's cap. But on days like Friday, on days like Monday, when you you, you just need something from somebody, I'm not convinced it's there in, in depth, and I wonder whether that is gonna be a problem for them.
1: Um yeah, well I think firstly You'd throw someone of Daniel James's ability into this squad and it immediately improves it, doesn't it? I think it potentially it's a improves it.
0: I mean, yeah. you you'd, it's all hypothetical, isn't it? No, but, um, but, but I think he has the pace and he has the craft that has been missing. The I mean, last that was, that that was completely. That was a really unlucky
1: saga, that, wasn't it? Obviously, Hugh Jenkins took it upon himself, but I think it's a mixture. I think if you added someone of his quality in January, but also I think the drop-off in form of too many players in the second half of the season, I mean, even to the extent of Jack Clark, who was understandably lost a bit of form coming off the bench after his collapse at Middlesbrough, he was, get, like, Bills was getting performances from him off the bench, where now we're just not seeing the same impact. Jack Harrison's been patchy, click, like you say, hasn't had the same amount of output in terms of goals or assists as he ha- as he did in the first four or five months of the season I think it's just a collective drop in form from too many players but whether that's whether they were playing above and beyond themselves in the first half of the season I'm not sure or whether it's just they've been found out a little bit by teams well, He, he almost said that didn't he at
0: Brentford he said afterwards you know, that, that we, were, we were talking about the pressure and whether the pressure had got to them and he said no on the contrary I think, I think they've dealt with the pressure really well because they've hidden They've hidden a lot of limits. They've hidden. He said they've hidden massive limits, which seemed to be his way of saying they have overachieved considering the the way they played last season. Considering who they are, I guess the the ability that that the sort of raw ability that he actually has in the squad. He, he felt that they've punched above their weight, and I think if you if you're going to be objective about this, you have to agree. I mean, we all said we predicted at the start of the season, and we we thought they would finish. Ninth or tenth, because we hadn't seen enough in the way of changes to the squad, to a squad that really struggled to to be in the mix last season, and he's confounded that by by taking them very very close to finishing second and and may yet finish second. They still have that that kind of slender possibility, but will a hundred percent be be in the playoffs, um. But he has elevated them, and and it was always, I guess, that risk that it might be in the end that his coaching ability and his nous alone wasn't enough to. To get them there in terms of the top two, and, and looks like it might not be.
1: It's also easy to forget the amount of injuries that, that they've had as well this season, mm. and, and the fact that they've managed that absolutely brilliantly, sort of throughout the whole campaign. And I don't, I don't think it's sort of an element of that catching up to them. I just think, like we say, the last couple of games, mm. maybe there's a mental aspect to it, but maybe the drop off in form of certain players. Hernandez is one that's just taken the league by storm this year, we've said it before and we say it again, how he's not in the EFL team of the year we went, we'll never know I mean, one of life's mysteries I'm sure but just it does feel like maybe a collective drop off in form at the wrong time for too many of the players when you needed them most, Bamford obviously great goal scoring record but miss, has missed too many chances at this stage of the season But New also I roof.
0: think if you have been fair to Bamford you have to say that having missed four or five months yeah, of 100%. the season, it's no there's no basis then for losing
1: Roof in mid-February for the two months is also a big impact because you lose another cog in the machine so to speak as we also would describe it a player that's provided 14 goals alright he hadn't been in the best of form before that but he gives you another he fit, like we said before he fits into Bielsa's system probably a little bit better than, than Bamford does up top and he gives you a different dynamic and a, and a route into the attack doesn't he so just a collective thing, like we say, it's there's loads of collective reasons for it, and saying that it's it's Bielsa Burnout is a massive, it's bullshit.
0: Oh not at all. No, I don't. <laughs> I, no, no, no! I, I, just, honestly, I sure don't. No, no, no! I honestly, I don't think you can uh, you can apply that at all with four games of the se- or two games of the season to, to play. Um, although it's quite interesting to see that Sheffield United have lost two games since Boxing Day, Leeds have lost nine. So th- there is no yeah. doubt that the first half of this season under Bielsa, was at a level above the second half in general, even though you could say that some of the best performances of the season, particularly West Brom, um, Derby at home, Sheffield Wednesday at home, have, have come in in this period. You're right about Ruth. he hasn't looked sharp since he's come back but again, you wonder whether in different circumstances, whether he'd have rushed himself back quite as quickly from that sort of injury mm. as he did. We've lost Alioski this week, he's gone for surgery after tearing um, meniscus in, in one knee, he's out for eight weeks so won't um, play in the last two games, won't be involved in the playoffs, that does Kind of leave Bielsa without a recognised left back. Barry Douglas already out for the season with after knee surgery of his own. So you would think Stuart Dallas or, knowing uh, the way Bielsa works, you would think Stuart Dallas in there or Gaetano Berardi for Villa uh, on yeah. uh, on Sunday. And obviously Tom Pearce out on loan at Scunthorpe, not not an option either. Just to um, just to go over Brentford a little bit. Should have had a penalty in the first half. Yeah, early on. Well, the, the, there, there was no point. doubt that. Um, <laughs> No doubt at all that that was a foul by Jean V on um, on Bamford. It, it looked pretty clear at the time, although you don't. There are pillars at them um, at Griffin Park in front of you, so we didn't have a great view. But it, it seemed like there was contact, and you could tell there was no contact with the ball. And the the replay made it made made it very clear, and it was one of those odd situations where if it's not a penalty, it's a yellow card for diving. Surely it can't be neither. Um, that well, that. So- in Bamford Shoes, why would you throw yourself well abso- absolutely your absolutely it? so yeah. poor decision by by Keith stroud Stroud the the to to that sort of moment and of moment and be of a little bit 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 of i'm not of I'm not going to criticize <laughs> referees at all even in circumstances like that and he said exactly the same after the game right to be agreed by that but but the reaction to that, or the the ability in the last two games to build on the periods of dominance, just hasn't been there, really, has it? And and it, it it it's almost as if they can play and they can they can be in the game for so long, and then it starts to regress, it starts to regress, and eventually they expose themselves. And that I think has been the story, aside from missing chances, that has been the story of the Easter weekend, and that's what's done the damage.
1: Yeah, I mean, Brentford in particular, they were on top, weren't they, for the first 20 minutes. And that was when, and we've said it all season, but that's that's when you've got a strike and you've got to got to get ahead in the game and make the opposition start chasing it. And they didn't do that again. And that, that's that been the Achilles heel of this team, not clinical enough. Roberts had a glorious chance, a um, heavy touch takes it away, even after they equalised. Had another glorious chance, Bamford had a couple. And it's just that clinical edge to this team, they create enough chances, but they've just not had someone on on occasions put the ball in the back, back of the net enough. and I actually think it comes down to not having enough from midfield. I think the behind Bamford and Roof, I think you look at most of the teams that are up there, it's a collective effort of goals, barring you mean, well, even Sheffield United. You've got, what was it, 30, 40 goals from Sharp and McGoldrick. You've mm-hmm. got, what, 14 from Roof and 9, 8, 9 from Bamford. But I think, like, clicks, goals have dried up, so you're missing 4-5 there. Just not had enough collectively from... The two wingers as well. I mean not Hernandez but I mean Harrison and Alioski earlier in the season. Just not enough there. I think mean, not enough quality from Harrison in the final third, I think, is, is...
0: the left side's been an issue right away yeah. through, isn't it? Which I think is why everybody liked the or saw the appeal of bringing in Dan James, somebody quick, yeah. somebody somebody and very it's different. Not,
1: it's not maybe a knock on Harrison as as such as SBLs' insistence and loyalty in him at the, the same time. It's he maybe he need, you know, it's his first full season in English football, let's not forget. You know, being in the side consistently, and he's had flashes of of great form and and flashes of despairing form. You know, so it's difficult to know. But I just don't think there's been enough output from elsewhere on the pitch as well. No, and it's that goal from...
0: it's that difficult thing as well, isn't it? That in, in the grand scheme, Leeds are not really here to to train other people or to bring along other other clubs' players. Um, and and it has felt. I I'd be interested to know how much Harrison feels he's benefited from this season. He'll surely have benefited physically from the um from the number of games he's played technically it doesn't feel like there's been a, a drastic improvement there um, and I think in the loan market particularly it it hasn't paid off for Leeds we haven't seen anything of Izzy Brown and I'm probably not going to see anything of Izzy Brown now Lewis Baker made no impact at all Jamal Blackman broke his leg that was, was unlucky but his weight was the reason why Bielsa didn't play him from the start so there were three or four months where, where he wasn't involved at all and, and Harrison, great attitude no, great yeah, attitude yeah, yeah. always always committed always always sticks in but I think is, to a certain extent it's been a little bit found out um, in, in this division and I mean it, the, the striking issue in the number of goals is has is, is got to be put in the context of the injuries that they've had because you look at Moppy at, at Brentford I think that was his 24th goal of the season mm. but Moppy hasn't had an injury all year or nothing major to speak of and has played right the way through Roof has obviously had a couple of lengthy stints out Bamford long stretches as well um, and I think that as much as anything is the reason why Leeds don't have a 20 goal centre forward because they they have not been able to be in the team for long enough to score 20 goals yeah 100% but I'd argue
1: that they've had obviously they've had
0: Roof and Bamford
1: over the season not at the same time but they've got over 20 goals from both of them you know across when they've been playing so that's when you need your midfielders your winners mm. to pitch in more and if you didn't have Pablo scoring what 12 goals where it is you, you've got nothing else have you and that's been the problem Obviously, Cleek scored what five, six goals by the mid of mid September, and just not the same output in the last six, six, seven months, and that that's been the problem. I think pitching in from elsewhere has is, is been the biggest issue, in my opinion. I think Roberts maybe could have had a few more. You know, Harrison we talk about that Alioski when he was uh, the forward, and but when you're relying on basically your striker that's coming back from injury and and Hernandez, and that's it to create a bit
0: of spark in front of goal, then I think that's just the Achilles heel and it has been all season it's important to say really that these deficiencies all relate to the top two as it stands they, they don't, I, <laughs> yeah. I mean the, the goal scoring is miles it's beyond what was podcast, last it? season <laughs> it is I know it is if you smashed your phone already <laughs> um, send us your repair bills but hey, send it, it to the, we've we've been relegated to the fourth floor in this building, so send it to the fifth floor, please, and then somebody <laughs> will, somebody will pick it up. But no, I mean the goal scoring is miles beyond what it was last season. As I said earlier, the points tally is um, vastly improved. The 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 defensive record is better, and the truth is that at the start of the season, people would have been happy with qualifying for the playoffs. Nobody has qualified for the playoffs. Um, in. The championship at Leeds United since Blackwell in two thousand and six. I mean, it's it's not quite a generation ago, but it's you know it's there are, there are there are supporters who we'll be going to Ellen Road now who weren't born when Blackwell was doing that. So it it's been a long long time since anybody's put them in this position. It's the best season in terms of points since Wilkinson in in nineteen ninety, um, in this league. So it has been it has been a a massive massive step forward, but I don't think any of us have contemplated the playoffs at all. I think I said to you about three weeks ago mentally, I haven't given any thought to it because, not because it didn't feel like it was a possibility, but because it hasn't felt like it was coming. It felt like Leeds have always, even the the weeks where they've kind of slipped behind Sheffield United, it hasn't taken long to get back in front of them. It's always kind of been there. It's always been kind of there for the taking and particularly after the Sheffield Wednesday game and the fact that Blades had conceded in the 95th minute to Millwall. Billy Sharp had been injured. Chris Basham had been injured. John Egan had been sent off. It felt like it, it. It felt potentially pivotal. And it's absolutely incredible that two weeks on, not even two weeks on, we're talking about being three points behind Sheffield United and potentially out of it by by Sunday morning. And I think that's where the, the frustration's coming from, isn't it? That you, you're starting to ask now are there things they could have done that would have just got them across, across the line. Or actually... Have Norwich and Sheffield United just been so durable and so good themselves that that they deserve to be where they are, and quite honestly they do. Yeah, I think you look at their form of the second half of the
1: season. You said that Sheffield United lost twice. That you know that's a phenomenal run from Christmas, isn't it? Under Chris Wilder, and you know if you if you producing that those results consistently, you deserve to be in the top two. I think what you just said there about the not being prepared mentally from a fan aspect and a and a reporting aspect. Imagine how the players are feeling. <laughs> that's up. that's the issue, isn't it? That's going to come from this is mentally how they prepare for the playoffs. But like I say, the two games they've got coming need to just press reset now and 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 go in with an attitude. They've played well enough, and they've played they've earned the right for this second bite at the cherry. And that's the, that's the, got to be the attitude of if if the players now and. The only, the only thing you worry about is someone like Villa or Derby or Bristol City, whoever sneaks in there, is going to have a very different attitude towards those play, these playoff
0: games than, than Leeds are, who have dropped out from the top two, aren't they? But there are still clubs in there who are going to be under pressure. I mean, Villa, yeah. the budget problems at Villa are, are no secret. Um, West Brom are pretty much operating on a Premier League budget and are, are not going to be able to do that forever um, if they stick around in this league for too long. Um, and one of those two is not going to make it. Derby I mean a lot of reports recently about Mel Morris trying to sell up because he's thrown so much money at this over so many seasons that he can no longer do it and presumably there are some major FFP, um, FFP issues down there as well. So I don't think Leeds are the only team under pressure. I just always feel that in the playoffs particularly in the championship playoffs all the pressure or most of the pressure is going to come on to Leeds because they're the club who haven't been promoted for 15 years they're this they're this huge side who just cannot get it together cannot quite get over the line cannot get themselves you know out of this division that they've been stuck in for so long they're probably the club you know all things being equal who, who want it most and and kind of kind of need it most really and it's a it's a high pressure scenario it, it really is um and and we'll We'll certainly find that if if that's the way it goes. Can you can you see it switch stopping Sheffield United on Saturday? Honestly, no. <laughs> I, don't th- I don't think I can
1: either. I mean, there's always hope, and you saw what Wigan did to Leeds um, on Good Friday. So there's always that glimmer of hope. But I mean. Not a really relegated team. What, what were you saying? The 16 teams are beating them this season. So, oh, more than that. More than that, it's, whatever yeah, it is. 20, 20 whatever hours, it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I just don't... I don't think... I don't see it. Um, Bram Mullane will be sold out. And, yeah, I just think it all will be a one-way traffic and pressure will tell. But, I mean, you're coming back to that aspect of... Uh, the, the weight being on Leeds in the playoffs. Yeah, but I think also there's got to be some... <laughs> looking at it with a, a realistic tint you've got to back yourself, look Leeds are a fantastic team, they've shown they're a fantastic team alright they've had a bit of a dip in form but I think there's no reason why if they can't find that again and find the shooting boots that they can beat anyone in the playoffs they've 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 proven that, they've beaten I think every team that could potentially be in the playoffs this season and, and well you know so just try and press the reset button and be confident about it once once it becomes
0: reality I guess. I don't think there's anybody with the exception of Villa at the moment that you wouldn't you wouldn't sort of confidently think Leeds can beat um I wouldn't say I wouldn't be confident against Philly either but you cannot ignore the fact that they're on a run of 10 wins and have put those 10 wins together so easily I mean it's been so fluid for them and Grealish um since he's come back from injury and had the, the captaincy has made himself look what he is which is the most sort of naturally gifted player in the division uh, of, of which I don't and I, you know Hernandez top player and and loads of time for him I think he's in very much similar ilk but I think natural talent Grealish has, Grealish has got it um, and Villa is at home on on Sunday the, the club changed their ticketing arrangements for this game because of the the sheer demand for uh, sheer demand for seats and Angus Kinnear was saying in the program not so long ago that they could have sold 60,000 for it which is probably not much of an exaggeration. Everybody wanted to be there because everybody had it in their heads, including us, about what could be happening on Sunday. Yeah, about sure. you know what, how it could how it could unfold, potentially win promotion on the Sunday. You got the whole afternoon home game. You got the whole afternoon of everybody, everybody on the streets. And you're gonna make me cry. Else. Yeah, <laughs> I think I'm gonna cry. Um, but in saying that. This isn't a dead rubber, is it? Because they've the players in BLC have got to get themselves a shot in the arm from somewhere. And winning away at Ipswich on the last day of the season, assuming that automatic promotion isn't there to be had at that point, is kinda neither here nor there given that everybody is beating Ipswich. But to put in a, a top performance against Villa, to potentially beat Villa, to to kinda play in the way that they know they can, would be a hundred percent the right result at the right time regardless of whether they get, even if it's done and dusted on saturday they've got to play well sunday i think to just to get back on the horse and get going again yeah and it's a chance to reunite the feeling with the fans isn't it in
1: front of a sold out ellen road um i think getting that mentality back and saying look this season isn't over we've had a blow to the stomach but let's come out fighting and i think you know if they put on a performance against villa then maybe it'll start to make the doubters believe again i think that that's that's the thing isn't it lots lots of people have written them off already now because they just think well, they're going to crash into the playoffs and burn after these few results but again like we've said in the podcast already these two games they need to find some form and find that mojo back and then take some momentum of what they can into the playoffs and and that's what's got to be viewed as if if it's gone by Sunday morning
0: it's still there though isn't it it's still there
1: and like we say funny things happen but it's just
0: the realistic Aspects of it that eats away. He just knows that I think Sheffield United will will do the business. It was quite sad. Um, sitting on Friday, listening to Beal to say, and he he's never really got involved in talking about promotion. And I think that the fact that he has in the last couple of games tells you that he he knows that the right that this is the crunch point now, and he knows that that automatic in particular is is pretty much slipped away, um, barring something spectacular happening but it was quite sad sitting and sitting listening to him say as you'd expect him to that if if we don't get promoted this season then nobody will remember this season and i don't agree with that at all <laughs> i think we'll i think we'll remember this season for years and years it's been it's been an absolute privilege i think to watch him work and to watch somebody rely so much on pure coaching somebody to rely so much on the coaching ability as opposed to the spending power the budget um to turn what was a team of you're not quite misfits but a team of I don't want to say no marks either but just a middle of the road championship team into a team who've been knocking on the door right from from the first weekend and and I know it'll kill him if not not literally but <laughs> me, metaphorically I know it'll kill him if it doesn't happen um he'll feel i think desperately sorry for the the city and and the, the supporters but I think they'll feel desperately sorry for him because I you know People find disappointment hard to take, but I still think most are clever enough and sharp enough to see quality work when they see it and to see somebody who has is, who is pretty much invested his entire self into this season. I'll, I will feel incredibly sorry for him, as I will for the club, if, if it doesn't happen. Um, But to say that this season won't be remembered, I think is is entirely wrong. I think it will be remembered and it will be remembered because of him.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Marcello Bielsa at Leeds United. Who, who would have thought that this time last year? What a remarkable story it's been, regardless of how it ends. Yeah, like, the amount of things that we've we've listened to him say. I mean, you, we went into a press conferences and you got stories about Hernan Crespo. You've had Spygate. You know, it's just so many intriguing aspects to it. And like you said, I think when we get asked about. Has he improved you? I think he has. Like he makes you think a bit more about the game and, yeah. and the way. Like he makes you're not just rolling up a press conference, going, oh, yeah, "What's your attitude this week?" You know, you're actually trying to ask engaging questions because he'll look at you like you know you've shot his dog if you ask him something stupid. Mm. And I think I'll remember it for the rest of whatever I do, and I think
0: a lot of Leeds fans will as well. Well, on that happy note, <laughs> um, let's cross everything for the weekend. No. You never know what might happen. Sun might shine. Epsom, which might win at Bramall Lane. Leeds might be be Aston Villa, but uh, one way or the other, we'll be back early next week to to debrief. Uh, we'll have a proper chat about the playoffs if if that's the way it's going. The the, the permutations, the dates, and everything else. We'll have a uh, well raucous chat about automatic promotion if it's it's back on. But one way or the other, uh, one way or another, try and enjoy the weekend, and uh, we'll see you soon. And thanks as ever for listening.